And it's episode 96, Cherokee Rewind. Thanks for hanging out. You got Mick. This time around, we're going to go back a little ways. But tell you what, I'm looking forward to this one because this guy and I, uh, actually, most of you guys know about the whole thing about the Dubuque brawl in Toledo and everything. Well, the thing that a lot of people, uh, they know, and that is that we did, we were doing the broadcast back when I was with Buckeye Cable Sports Network, better known as BCSN. And the funny part is, is the guy that was uh, alongside me doing color commentary is this guy right here. And his name is Toby Hafner. And Toby, uh, first off, thanks for doing this, man. It's good to catch up with you again. No problem. Happy, happy to do it. It's, it's good to see you and good to hear your voice and, and, uh, yeah, share some some old memories and stories and and uh, things from the past. Yep, I tell you, it's it's always a good time when you talk hockey. Um, first off, before we get to all of that stuff, I'm sure we're gonna get to a lot of fun stuff. Um, you played. I'm trying to remember. Was it one or two years that you played with Toledo? Uh, well, it was. It was a very brief stint in 0304. Mm-hmm. Um, it did not last uh, all too long, unfortunately. Um, I ended up in, I was still in the, in the league, but I ended up on a different team um, out of Michigan, playing out of Plymouth for Michigan Ice Dogs, but then um, made a return in uh, 0506. Okay. So uh, now, when well let's first of all let's get back to the to the basics here uh i mean you're a local guy always have been uh yep and when you first started playing or i should say when you first got put on skates who introduced you to the game uh that well my dad introduced uh both my brother and i to the game um he had a a love for it growing up um was a big uh and still is a big Boston Bruins fan as a kid, loved Bobby Orr um, and kind of followed those, you know, big, bad Bruin teams uh, through the sixties and even the, in the seventies. Um, and obviously the game continued to evolve and uh, get bigger and better. And uh, so he was the one that got us into it because when he was in high school, he, he played a little bit as a youth, um, but then kind of got away from it to focus on playing football and, and baseball and basketball. And then um, he went locally here in Toledo to Central Catholic High School, and they had uh, finally introduced uh, hockey as a varsity sport his senior year, which would have been, and I hate to do this my dad and date him, but 76, 77. And so he stopped playing uh basketball and football i believe uh to play on the hockey team because that's how much uh and he loved the sport and how bad he wanted to play so he was my dad was the one that got my brother and i into the sport well i'll tell you and it's funny just so that he doesn't feel so bad i was only five years behind him at central (laughs) (laughs) so so you know i just uh i don't i don't you know i don't he doesn't have to feel so bad. Uh, but uh, anyway, so, uh, and it's nice because I'm actually talking to a kid 
who um, I only talk. I always refer to you guys as kids because you'll always be kids to me. But right, I uh, it's like I'm talking to a, a kid whose dad I'm actually younger than. There's not too many of those. Most all the guys well, I talk you... to, they're all older. I'm older than their dads. So, <laughs> so well, we're going back a few years a little bit on this one. So yeah, well, not that far back, but I, you get the point. No, not that far. That's true. Yeah. Put it this way: I, when when I walk by a cemetery, guys want to chase me with shovels, but. Anyhow, <laughs> but uh, so now, how old were you when you first put on a pair of skates? Oh, I'm going to say six or seven. Okay. And then yep. did you play, did you start playing like learn to skate or uh, yep. stuff? So we, yep. So my brother and I both did instructional play over at Tam O'Shanner at the time. And this is back when Tam O'Shanner was one rink. It was not a. It was not a two-rink facility over in Sylvania. Um, so we both did instructional play. Um, like I said, he's uh, two years behind me. So he was either four and I was six, or he was five and I was seven. I don't recall 100% for sure, but we were young, obviously. Did that, and then we started playing um, uh, youth uh, house hockey over at um the sports arena under wow. the uh toya program mm -hmm. um and did uh i did mites or mini mites mites squirt and yeah i think i did all the mite phases and the squirt phases at uh, the sports arena under the toya program uh for moving over to these in Bantams. Okay. Well, I uh, and now when you did all that stuff at the sports arena, that had to be a very that's a very unique dynamic because not everybody uh, can appreciate this, especially the younger guys, what it was like to play at the sports arena, what the sports arena was like to go see a game whether it was the Gold Diggers, the Hornets, the Storm, uh, whoever, you know, they are just used to the walleye over at the Huntington Center. Not beautiful facility and everything. Right. Well, the sports arena, tell me from your perspective, because, I mean, I went there as a kid. I, I went there when the Hornets were playing. And, uh, it, I mean, okay. it was it was brutal. I mean, they had the 10-cent beer nights. Uh, oof. That's the only reason my dad would yeah. take me to hockey games because he did not know anything about hockey whatsoever. None. I, I fell in love yeah. with the sport watching it on television because uh, Hockey Night in Canada, Channel 9 out of Windsor, was one of the few channels I could pick up yeah. on my TV. So I fell in love with the sport. Yeah. And when I went to go see the, the Hornets play as a kid, there was there was not much in the way of a successful team. And then on top of it, like I said, the only reason he took me there was because of, because of the beer nights, you know? Sure. But what was it like? And why, and why not for 10 cent beer night? Oh, you're right. Cause although inflation did go up later and they did have 25 cent beer night, but, uh, yeah, they, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, um, it's funny because I was trying to remember, you know, I mean, there was, I think like 5,300 was the, was the uh, actual 
capacity. And that place, I tell you what, yeah, on beer nights, they, they pretty much packed them in. But it's always been a huge hockey town. And uh, it's been a, a place where people, you know, especially if you're winning, if you're winning, oh, man, they will they will they will be there. And and even if it's in a place where you wouldn't go, if it was the last nuclear fallout shelter on Earth, they would. Uh, it was just not a pretty, uh, pretty building. It was old. Uh, it had a lot of a lot of character marks on it. Let's, that's being kind. Uh, that's uh, that's putting it nicely. Uh, but uh, that was when you went to watch a game. Big facility. It, yeah, <laughs> that's that's one way of putting it. But uh, how would you, as someone who played there, what was it like? Because the ice was smaller. It was only 180. Was it 180 or 180? Yeah, 180 by or 185 by like 79 or 80. Something like that? Yeah, short. I don't remember what the exact measurements, but I know it was it was pretty small. Now, when you played, I'm sure that seemed like uh, playing at Maple Leaf Gardens or, or the Forum when you were a kid. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, when you were a kid, so we grew up. I mean, that's how, outside of, like you said, watching games uh, on CBC – for hockey night in Canada, early, early 90s, um, and you might be able to get, you know, their UPN 50, if you could get it, only showed so many Red Wing games throughout the year, and that was even pre-past sports days. Yep. Um, so, yeah, there, I mean, there was very select hockey to watch. It was Friday or Saturday nights. That was it. And it was a treat when, you know, mom and dad would take us to storm games. And that's what we grew up on. And fortunately for us, you know, they were extremely good, competitive, um, won two Riley Cups um, back to back, had a lot of great players that played there, Um, guys that had already either had been in the NHL or spent some time in the NHL or guys that eventually made it to the NHL um, because it was such a small league at the time. And even the other leagues, the IHL and the AHL were much smaller now than like what the American league is today. So there was such a select amount of players at that level. It was, it was really good hockey. Um, The games were physical. You know, glass was super short at the sports arena for people that was a lot of hard body checks, um, a lot of fist fights. Uh, um, that was just in the stands. of playing there as a youth, but I also had the unfortunates of playing there as I got older. And when there was a there was a junior team playing out of the sports arena under the Toledo Storm banner um, in the uh, 
the Continental Elite League, which I believe was Tier 3 Junior A at the time, um, that was our home facility. And that was a tough facility to play out of at 16 years old. And you were playing against guys that were anywhere from my age to 21 and, you know, had 25 to 50 pounds on you. And those boards didn't give. That glass was thick, didn't move, and the boards were like cement. And there was nowhere to hide anywhere in that rink. There was no space between the blue lines, no space behind the net. Uh, the 25-foot drop, which I'm exaggerating, but felt like it from the boards to the ice. Um, it was an interesting place, That's, but it had an aura, that's for sure. You know, it's funny is that you, 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 know, you talk about the aura. I mean, the thing was, is that the fans were literally right on top of you. If you're a, uh, if you're a, a big, uh, you know, if you were a big, uh, you know, person that went there a lot, big fan there, went there yep. a lot. The fans were right on top of you. If you were a player there playing in the, in the minors. Uh, and that was both the home team and the away team. <clears throat> that wasn't just to, to try and intimidate the away team. I mean, the, there was no real uh, partition to protect the, the home team, the Toledo team, from the nope. fans right behind them. So if they were really ticked off at you, uh, it wouldn't be surprising to feel the odd popcorn or, 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 or splash of beer on your jersey because they were really mad at you. Yeah, yeah they definitely loved their team and their players, but they also, you know, wanted to, like you said, see a winner. So there was a lot of accountability from the fans on the players. But I think most of the players, most of the years, you know, knew that. And you, you didn't see that too, too often. I mean, here and there it would probably happen. But most of those guys knew that they, they were going to have to put on a good show and, and uh, play hard. And, and the opposing teams obviously hated playing there for a multitude of reasons, the locker room sizes, the – walk to get to and from the ice surface i mean just everything about the place yeah it was it was pretty much by today's standards it was barbaric but i mean back then yep. we just said it was gritty and it had character so we were yes, okay. it did. we were okay with that so yep now tell me now how many seasons from mites all the way up how many seasons did you end up playing there at the sports arena yeah uh, would have been one, two, three, four. Uh, if you include a, a stint in juniors and a what they called pre-post hockey in high school, mm-hmm. because of the shortened high school seasons, uh, six sounds about right. Wow. So I think probably the thing that you could probably say also would benefit you is the fact that playing in a such a tough uh, tough place that it toughens you up as a player so that you can be it, it it would serve you well later on in your career i would think yeah it it does to a certain degree i mean there's it, it there's definitely like i said there was nowhere to hide in there so i mean you you were going to get the physicality regardless of whatever style of game you played so, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely made playing in other facilities a lot easier or, 
what seemed what might have seemed physical was nowhere near to the level of what went on in that arena. Yeah, no question about it. That had to be something that was, um, like I say, that I mean, you do, when you got a smaller arena, you don't. I mean, like you said, the glass doesn't get, have any give, and all the the other environment of the place, uh, the other I guess uh, attributes we'll call them, uh, that uh, that made that lent to a very very tough blue collar, kind of, it's kind of like the fan base. It was a very tough and blue collar fan base it was a tough blue collar arena you know it wasn't a it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a building that was made for you know uh, boxes for luxury boxes or anything of the sort you just know nope. you went in there it was a shot in a beer type of crowd shot in a beer type of arena anyway absolutely so when did you uh did you play high school at all when you first uh, when you first got there? Well, I played high school at so I went to St. Francis, was an 04 graduate, played freshman, sophomore, junior year uh, for St. Francis um, and all of our games at those at those times unless you played out of town uh, everything was at Tam O'Shanner in Sylvania. Um, except for league games you you would play uh bowling green was home games were in bowling green and then finley you would play down at the hancock rec center um which was another interesting older facility um so that was about the extent of it outside of some tournaments and then a few here and there away games maybe in michigan but most of the games were all played at tam o'shanner in high school so yeah there weren't too many uh there weren't too many uh weren't too many ice uh, arenas around i mean did you guys ever get the opportunity to play at ottawa park outdoors uh you know as a youth i want to say there might have been a, a, a time where we might have scheduled a team that came in and played and played one outdoor game but no not really. Okay. Just a few open skates, some practices here and there type stuff, but no, not not anything on the regular or too many experiences there. Okay. Now, when you played uh, when you played high school, were there any guys that you got to play with that you would see uh, at higher levels of hockey? Um, as I, I'm just trying to think, high school. Or even before high school, did you play with some guys that you would see uh, with the Cherokee or beyond afterwards? Do uh, you mean like just like rec stuff now, like adult hockey and well, what? Well, a little bit of everything, you know. Just uh, oh know. yeah, I mean, I would say it's kind of a a little bit of everything. Um, not so many guys that I grew up playing with, other than once I got to playing like adult rec league stuff. Um, I would run into guys that I either played with or against um, growing up in the youth uh, around Sylvania and Toledo. Um, guys from juniors um, that you played with, guys from club. Um, but then I also had connections because my brother was only two years behind me. So we played together as mini mites and mites. And then we ended up playing together again in high school. And then we played together again in juniors, and then we played together in club. And then I coached him in club. 
So I had a channel of a lot of different connections through a lot of different players and guys, whether I played with them or against them at some point in time. Okay. So, all right. Now, so, you know, you talked about uh, when you first started, it was about, uh, was it, the, you you played in Toledo first and then went to play with Michigan, or was it vice versa? In juniors? Yeah. Yeah, I started with Toledo that year um, and then uh, ended up getting tr- – ended up being traded uh, to Michigan. But it was pretty short, and that was, like I said, 03, 04 season. Um I think might have made one road trip with the team at that time to Peoria, if I'm not mistaken, and then, and then that was it. Unfortunately, that year for that team, and that was a, it was actually a heck of a hockey team. There was a lot of local guys in that team, and I think that team fared pretty well for the most part. Um, but I I don't remember where they ended up in the playoffs, but I, I know they didn't. I don't think they made the the national tournament. Um, and then, like I said, I ended up coming back, uh, more or less a couple, a full year off. And then a a year later, oh, five, oh, six, um, came back and played for the Cherokee. Okay. Uh, so when you, I mean, who was the coach for the 0304? Was that Varga or Duncan? No, Varga, Varga and Kinsella were coaches in 03, 04. I think that was their first year. Um, and then we had uh, – there was a gentleman named Rob Kroll who was an assistant <laughs> coach and ex-Cherokee ex alum, as you know. Um, he had was getting his feet wet in the coaching industry, and obviously he's been all over the place uh, ever since then. He's dabbled with college. He dabbled in midgets. Um, I, he might even have done some other stuff in juniors. So he was one of our assistant coaches that year, um, which I'll never forget going through training camp and then going up to Traverse City for like uh, basically training camp and a team bonding experience before the season start. And man, was that guy <laughs> intense when it came to the preparation, the workouts, and, and everything that went in into the game. Oof. Yeah, I've, I've, there are always a good, there's always good Rob Kroll stories to go around. Now, whether they be whether they be that now you got to remember this is the guy that see you guys remember him as being an intense coach, guy who tried to light a fire under you and get you moving and and motivate you and I remember the Rob Kroll as a player who at the Gold Cup Championship game to make to qual- try and qualify and get to nationals in overtime did the slap shot spot where he went, took his stick and went across the opposing team's bench down the bench. And just that, that wouldn't surprise me. I could see Rob doing that. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's the Crowley. I know very well. And, uh, he, he was, he's a piece of work, man. I'll give him that. He is a piece of work, but I do love him. He's a great guy. And, uh, uh, you know, so I, I always, uh, we remind him of that and we have always have a good chuckle about that, but that's just Crowley. And of course that also shows you how much he's grown, you know, as far as from doing that to now trying to motivate kids to be the best they can be, you know? And, uh, so it's not, it's, it's not all bad. 
So now, uh, when you went to Michigan, um, yep. did you think at all, like, I'm going to spend the rest of my junior time here, or I want to spend the rest of my junior time here? Tell me from your end of it, what was the experience? So we actually, my brother was, was part of the deal as well. So we both ended up going there. Um, like I said, it was early in the year. Um, and it ended up, it was not a very successful team. Um, we were not very good. Um, wasn't necessarily a bad experience. Um, a lot of good guys on that team. Um, we just didn't have a lot of skill. Um, we had a pretty good mix of younger guys and older guys. Um, but just, like I said, we just, we just didn't, we weren't very talented, so we didn't have a lot of success. Um, I think we finished toward the bottom of the standings, didn't make the playoffs. Um, and for me, it wasn't necessarily just that experience. Um, it was some other experiences that I had went through um, that kind of just drove me to, unfortunately, not want to play at that point anymore. Um, and so I took a year off when I started college as a freshman. Um, and basically I'd given up the game. Um, and then when the 05, 06 season rolled around, um, I remember, uh, I was still going to school, obviously at the time as a sophomore. And then I was, I was working, uh, pretty much full time. And my brother had come back, I believe to play for the Cherokee that year. Um, and a bunch of other guys that were close to his age group that he had played with growing up. Um, and I think we had some injuries, um, that kind of shortened the bench uh, or the lineup. And they were kind of looking for a player or two. And I don't know how, but I think my dad had heard about it. And I think he had talked to uh, Vargs or Kinsella, or maybe it was even Mike Robertson. I don't remember who, but had talked to somebody and said, you know, maybe I can get Toby talked into you know, making a comeback and play because he's still age eligible. Um, he's got to get in shape, but I know he can play. It's just a matter of, you know, getting things back together. So, and that's kind of how that all came together from basically going away from the game and then making a comeback. So did you, I mean, what was your thought process, if you remember, uh, going into it? I mean, was it like I – uh, did you fall in love with the game again? Did you, with the time away, did you, what was it that made you say, well, this could be interesting or, I mean, what was it? It was, it was more of a, I think it was more for me, it was a chance. And, and I, I knew it might be my final chance. Cause to be honest with you, I knew that, there was a very slim opportunity. I might be fortunate enough to catch an eye. Maybe I could go play division three somewhere potentially for school. 
Um, I didn't really even know or was aware of any of the club programs that were out there. And obviously there's some really good ones um, at the division one level. Um, but I didn't know about that. So it was more trying to maybe look at a D three school. If, if I could, if I could manage to put something together good enough, but it was also a chance to play uh, local, um, which made it convenient. And then uh, a chance to play with my brother again, more than anything, I think. And so my dad had, I don't want to say he talked me into it, but he more or less talked me into giving it a shot. And I did it. And by the end of the year, which I'm sure maybe this conversation will head there at some point, I'm, I would think it would, but that's when I kind of re fell in love with the game because of the group of guys that we had, um, the locker room, the, the success that we ended up having, even though we came up, you know, just short, um, that was a really fun year um, after after December um, where it was really enjoyable to, to be at the rink and be with the guys and experience success again. And um, that kind of, yeah, reacclimated my my love for the game. All right. Well, you know, and uh, tell me what it was like when you first walked into the locker room in Toledo. Did you have any were you nervous? Were you, did you have any apprehension about going in there? Uh, you know, even though you're an older guy and stuff, but the idea being is, did you feel like a rookie again? No, you hit it on the, I felt old because <laughs> the only guy that was still left that was in my age bracket was Danny Bajacki and Danny was in his, I think it was his third year with the team. And he was a month or two older than me. So I remembered him from 0304, obviously the brief stint that I was there. And then obviously playing against the Cherokee the rest of the year. Um, so yeah, everyone else was younger. Now, that being said, I knew a lot of the local guys because they either played with my brother growing up or I had maybe played with them or against them at some point in time in high school, even. So there was never an uncomfortable feeling. Um, and I never, I don't want to say I doubted myself cause I knew that I could still play the game, but I knew where I was physically, which was not in a good place. So I had a lot of work to do to get caught up. Um, and back to, a. uh, a level of being able to compete and, and contribute. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how long did it take you to how many games or how long time-wise do you think it took you to where you felt comfortable being in that Cherokee uniform again? Oh, I would say it took me, it, it took me, I want to say, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't, don't, and I know you wouldn't make quote me on this, but I want to say I, I started late October practicing and then finally got into game action in November. But I would say it was not until probably mid to late January before I really felt like I had a good chunk of my game back. Let's put it that way. <laughs> 
makes sense. Uh, now, yeah. uh, so do you remember who you played with uh, as far as line line mates? Well, actually, when I came back, I part of the to backtrack what we were talking about. Part of the reason I came back is I think we were banged up on D, if I'm not mistaken, and we were a little short-handed, and I had played defense in juniors previously usually more on power plays than than five on five but i'd done it i'd also had done it for a half a year in high school due to some shortened roster situations um so i was capable of doing it um and i did so that's what i actually started was on d and then slowly but surely um they worked me back up into playing wing um and I'll be honest with you, Mick, I, I can tell you for sure, I played with my brother, Rue, almost all season long. There might have been some brief scenarios where I wasn't on his line, but him and I played together all the time. I played left, he played right, and it was always trying to find somebody to play in the middle of us uh, that could complement all of our games and be able to deal with Rue and I, mostly me, uh, going back and forth on the bench arguing about stuff. So <laughs> that's uh, gee, you argue never, Toby, never. Yeah, <laughs> I like to point the I like to point the finger. So oh. I did a lot of that, unfortunately. And my brother was a good sport about it because he put up with it. And sometimes he would actually kick it into another gear, which would really help. But we had quite a few. I think we played with Austin Seipel for a, for a, a bit. Uh, we had Hess for a while, but, but I think Rue might have flopped the center because um, Hess was a natural winger. Um, I, I'm telling you, Mick, we had everybody at some point or another, I think, try to fill in between Rue and I on a line. And it wasn't until we made a trade, I don't know when it was, but we picked up Ryan Ford um, sometime, you know, midway or close to the deadline. And when we picked up 40, we clicked. Um, he was more like my brother. He was a two-way player, good centerman, uh, positionally sound. He was good in the face-off dot. He was a pass-first guy. Um you know, he dug in the corners. Um, so he really complimented Rue and I well and was a real good fit for I moving forward, um, especially when we got into playoffs and, and then the national tournament. You know, it's funny. I just uh, I reached out to Ryan to do one of these, and he was so excited to do it. And he yeah. goes, yeah, I want to do it. Yes, I can't wait to talk about it, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden he just disappeared. Like I, huh. it's like, I reach out to him several times. I'm like, where are you? What's going on? Haven't heard word one from him. I think, huh. I think he I haven't, some, like, I haven't heard from her. I haven't heard her talk to him. I don't think since maybe sometime, you know, shortly after the, 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 the season, um, mm -hmm. he was a great guy though. I mean, real, real. He was always a low key guy with me. Pretty soft spoken. Um, didn't say a whole lot, but like I said, he was, he was a real nice guy. Um, 
and and I really enjoyed playing with him. Yeah, I really I really liked him too. Even back then, always a, a, a just you could tell he's always going to be a solid young man. Uh, just uh, you know, one of those guys that you you, you just uh, he you, you gravitated towards him because he was just yeah. a good. He wasn't a he wasn't a, a rah rah guy. He wasn't a, a, a I guess type A personality would be the way to describe it, but he was always still um, affable enough that you could uh, go and talk to him. And and if you wanted to joke with him, he's, he was fine with that too. But like I said, he was just always a solid guy that you could just, uh, you could just, you know, hang out with or, 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 you know, especially like with me, you know, I, I only saw you guys when at, you know, on the road or, you know, and stuff like that, Uh, you know, hanging out at the hotel or at a restaurant when we're on the road. Uh, and, yep. and, and, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's funny, um, trying to remember some of the guys you played with back then, you know, you talked about Sipes and, uh, and, and yep. Hess and, oh, Hess, yep. man, that dude's like a bloody lumberjack. Are you kidding? Yeah. Good night. Yeah. That, that dude is huge. And I, yeah, we, we had, we had a good team. It was a, like I said, it was, a. It was an enjoyable team. It was a, there was a real um, solid camaraderie in the locker room and a good and just a good group of guys. Like guys, guys knew you know how to have a good time and and and, and kind of chirp one another and but not push it to a level where you're kind of you know really starting to maybe poke at someone's feelings. Not that hockey players have uh a lot of those but they they do have them at a certain point so you there's a fine line but guys were good with it you know and we and it went around the room everybody had it you know what i mean everybody would give it to each other every now and then and um but there was a real sense of uh of team and and everybody knew their job and their roles and everybody wanted to see you know, each other do well on the ice and help the team win in whatever fashion it took. But yeah, we had a lot of fun. It was a, it was an enjoyable team to play on. We had Abby and, and Nate and, uh, and Higgy and like you said, Sipes and Hess. And, and then we had Jesper and Danny and, um, my brother in 40 and, uh, God, I mean, Pilly, uh, <laughs> which, we could do a segment just on him. I was going to say we could do an entire uh, podcast just talking about Tyler Fillmore, but uh, yeah, exactly. But you know what? I've told this on other podcasts and stuff, but I grew to love that kid when, uh, you know, when uh, his school, his high school, was down in Columbus, and yep. they did that. We who needs Fillmore chant, and he was sitting in, right behind me on the bus on a road trip and you know uh, he was in tears and yeah he just was it it, it broke his heart because those are his buddies from high school you know yep. saying that chanting that crap and i told him i remember telling him you know you know it's great that they're i said you're going to be supportive of them while they're trying to win a state championship but just remember something I said, you're not going for a state championship. I said, you're trying to win a national championship. And, That's right. you know, so, you know, I, I, it just was one of those things. And after that, I just really felt like, you know, 
I mean, he and I were always good. You know, we got along great. But I'm just saying that's where we really, you know, it was like, okay, things uh, are, you know, it became a real friendship. And, uh, yeah. you know, because Pilly, like I said, he was he was a he was a different guy. You would some people would call him an odd duck. But, you know, uh -huh. but you know what? It's part of what makes a good I would say a good beef stew. You want a really good beef stew. You need different ingredients to go into that pot. You know, the pot is the team. And you need the different yep. ingredients. You've got the grinders. You've got the 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 the, uh, the Cinderella players that like to float around the ice and not take a hit. You've got the guys that want to uh, be the muscle. You've got the guys that are just stay at home. You know, they do their job and they're they're just kind of the steady eddies. And then yep. you know you've got you know you've got guys that stand on their heads. You know, and it's just it's a little bit of everything. And I think that's what, you know, like I said, it's Pilly was just an odd duck, but by God, he could play. Oh, yeah. You know, heart and soul type player, mm -hmm. you know, lunch, pay, lunch, pail player. And that's, that's what Pilly was. Yeah. He brought it, brought it every game, no matter what. He always gave 110% every shift. You knew what you were going to get out of him. Wasn't necessarily positionally sound because I'll. You go back. He played, I think, a few games with Rue and I, and he drove Rue and I nuts <laughs> because he was everywhere on the ice. I mean, everywhere. And we were like, we'd come back to the bench. We're like, what are you doing? And where are you going? You know, he couldn't figure him out. So finally, we were just like, we can't, we can't play with him. Like, he just, he's everywhere. Like, there's no structure to his game. Like, it, it just didn't fit the way Rue and I played the game. And, and trying to play your position, but you knew when to cover or switch and, and knew where guys were going to be. And Pilly was everywhere. And it just, it didn't work for us, unfortunately, but it seemed to work for, for Sipes and Hess towards the end of the year. And they had a, they had a good connection and, and it worked well for their line. So. Yeah, he did. He did. And uh, that's, you know, I remember, you know, I was like, Holy cow. You know, and I think that, you know, it's just, again, it's about, it's that clicking. You talked about it you went through different guys that couldn't play with you. And then you come across Ryan Ford and voila, you know, exactly. You know, so I think that was the voila moment for Pilly is when he got with uh, Hess and, and Seipel, you know, uh, now when, when you guys were playing that year, uh, do you remember your first goal? Oh God. No, I don't not. No, I don't. No, I don't, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, me neither. So just, I don't, but. Uh, oh, okay. I was saying, I was, I was hoping maybe you had a good story or something about it. I was thinking maybe it went off my skate or my shin pad or something, but who knows? I don't know. No, they don't. I don't remember, to be honest with you. That's all right. But uh, the, I, I was just thinking, now tell me, what was it like under uh, playing for Chris Varga and our dear departed, uh, beloved uh, Brian Kinsella? Well, you know, I think for me, um, because of where I was at with my age and I knew kind of what I was stuck to, um, and they knew me from the past and they knew me from growing up and coaching against me in high school. Um, you know, they, they, they tried to push me and, and get the best out of me in the right ways, but they didn't 
it wasn't over. It wasn't like they overdid it at any point in time or anything. Um, they knew what to expect, I think, for the most part. But I think they, the, the the best part about what Vargs and Kinsella did for our team was is that they either knew it or maybe by default, they like I said, they kind of allowed us to build that camaraderie through – you know, practice and, and the locker room and the road trips and the games and, and however they did it or allowed us to do it, it, it really, it just seemed to work out well. Um, and I think that was kind of just, it wasn't like we ran these, you know, amazingly good practices three days a week or four days a week, or we, we had this system that worked all the time or, we did this and we did that type of thing, or it wasn't specific X's and O's that, that Brian and, and, and Chris did. They just, they seemed to have managed the locker room and the bench the right way where it just, it worked out where we had, we had a, a, a good team vibe and we never gave up and we, we played hard um, and it worked out where we had a lot of success. Now, tell me about some of the guys you remember on, on defense. Uh, the- we had, oh, let's see, we had, well, we had Galt, J.C. Gulch and Ryan Self, um, who were, I mean, they were legit kids at the time. I mean, they were young. Yeah. Um, I, I don't even know if they were six. They might have been 16. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, 16, 17. Um we had uh, Devin uh, Benneke out of Wisconsin. Um, we picked up uh, Dennis Kappa at the trade deadline. Um, we had Ian Kelsey, who was a he was a kid. He was fifteen or sixteen, Northview kid. Um, I'm trying to think, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Nick Yost. Yeah. Um, but there's somebody else I'm forgetting on D and I, Oh, Bart Reeves. <laughs> How can you forget Bart? <laughs> you know, and the thing is, is that he didn't, he, I think after that he played, he, he started playing up front. He did. He played forward towards the end of his stint the next year or two or whatever it was, but he was, he played defense for us. Yeah. He, and I, and I kind of forgot about that, but yeah, Bart, I mean, <laughs> tough as nails. Yeah, and the, and only like if he was 150 pounds, then I'm only like 180. Okay, if he was 100 more than 150 pounds, that kid was the gangliest howdy doody, how you doing, you know, dup, 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 you know, type of kid. Yep. That I, and yet you drop the gloves with him and just make sure that your next of kin is notified because yep. he, he'd hurt you bad. Yes, he did. Yep, he was wiry yeah. when he fought. He 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 really knew how to go and how to get good position. And I mean, he, he took on some big guys at that time, guys that were, I'm like you said, I'm, you're probably talking anywhere from 20 to 20 to 40, 40 pounds heavier than him and no fear. And he, he always held his own. You, I was going to say, so. you usually tuned him up. Uh, now, yeah. you know, and, and of course his brother was a goaltender for us uh, for a little while there. At, prior to you getting there, prior to you playing, 
Okay, I was going to say, I don't recall him, but okay. Yeah, yeah, Brett played back in the early part of the century, like 01, 02, something like that. Uh, gotcha. And uh, he, uh, he, was, uh, he was a heck of a goaltender. Matter of fact, we picked him up because he played for another team and single-handedly, I don't mean like he had a little bit of help in front of him. No, single-handedly shut us down. We had a stacked team. And we should have been like going to nationals, and yeah. he shut us down, and we're we were so ticked off that we traded for him the next season. I think it was, oh. it was uh, one of those things. And, and that kid, with uh, let's put it this way, when he, when he when if he was off his game, it was scary, but mo- most of the time he wasn't. Most of the time he wasn't. And yeah. when he was on. Oh my gosh. That kid was one of the best goalies you ever seen in your life. And uh, like you said, could win games by himself, literally. And uh, I just remember, like I said, uh, he him telling me in his podcast that he said the reason that Bart was so tough was that there was that Bart had to put up, he has brothers that beat the snot out of him because he was so scrawny and that uh, they beat the snot out of him to toughen him up. And I guess it worked. (laughs) Yeah. It works a lot like that a lot of times. If you're in the middle or towards the tail end, you usually end up being a lot tougher because you get beat up by your older brothers. Yeah. And did you torture Rue that way? Not really too much. Rue liked to get under my skin when we were kids. No. He knew how to really press your – oh, yeah. He knew how to press your buttons, and you would never know that because he's such a soft-spoken, quiet – individual but he really knew how to press your buttons and get under your skin and then let on off because he knew he had gone to breaking point so but yeah so, no, sounds never, like never any never any major beatings <laughs> maybe if you did no i'm kidding uh but uh yeah it's uh so tell me the what was it like on the road back then uh did you was there a lot of uh, everyone <laughs> Uh, trying to put one over on each other? Well, I mean, like I said, we always had, we always had a good time. And like I said, we had such a good group of guys that it was, it was impossible not to have fun. We just, you know, we all got along. We knew how to joke. We knew for the most, we knew when it was time to, to, to cut the, to cut the fun as far as like, Okay, it's time to get down to business. Yeah, or it's, you know, hey, let's let's focus now. You know what I mean? Like, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I think part of it, though, is like I said, we we joked and kid and had so much fun with each other that when you're on the ice, when it's game time, it it builds a a team aspect that's hard to beat because you really want to go out there for your your teammate or your buddy and you want to sacrifice or do whatever you need to do to try and win the game or whether it's, you know, block a shot, take a hit, make a hit, uh, you know, make, make the right play, whatever it might be that you need to do, you're willing to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we had fun on the road. I was probably not the best influence for the younger guys cause I was older. <laughs> um, so I, I was, 
probably showing them some things that they it's it's going to happen regardless of where you play but i was probably that guy so oh boy it is what it is so uh i'm guessing like uh leaners tossing rooms uh yeah just you know trying to find ways to have fun on the road and and enjoy yourself but not do something stupid where you get yourself or somebody else kicked off the team or something like that. So, I mean, like I said, just your, your average road trip type fun in juniors. I can only imagine. Yep. Did you guys have a, I mean, besides I'm thinking Pilly had to be a target. Well, Pilly, unfortunately was too young to know any better and too young to say no. So, he tagged along and yeah, I mean, he got caught in the fold a couple times and one time it was not good. Um, luckily it all worked itself out, but yeah, he was, he was involved, but for the most part, most everybody, like I said, we were in such a close group that, I mean, you always have your small little clicks, guys that are really close, whether it's twos or threes, usually but as a group we were pretty close i mean there was never too many odd man out situations or four or five separate clicks and nobody would talk you know what i mean it was there was guys that definitely spent more time you know hanging out together or doing things together but as a group we did a lot together and there was no shutting anyone out Mm -hmm. okay so besides uh the obvious old man influence here who are some of the other guys that like to uh, that like to prank? Oh, the pranksters? Yeah. Hess was a prankster for sure. Um uh, God, I'm trying to think. It, it really could be anybody. I mean, Higgy would get in on it every now and then. Um Nate liked to get in. He he liked to dig a little bit and prank he was good um but the- it would kind of go around i would pull my my fair share everybody kind of had their moments you know what i mean mm-hmm. and sometimes it was a team effort too you'd get four or five guys involved on one or two guys um and again pilly was <laughs> pilly was the unfortunate recipient uh, <laughs> recipient of a lot of it a lot of times he 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 took a lot of crap why do i get the feeling that he could have easily been like in the lead role of joe dirt uh (laughs) just just saying yeah he he, yeah he he took a lot of crap but he he it was all in good fun i think he knew that and i think he kind of enjoyed it to a certain extent because he felt involved in a part of the group and he was so young. Yeah. He didn't know any better, you sure. know? So, so tell me now about, uh, as we go into the season, down the season towards the end there, the infamous, the infamous debut, uh, debacle, uh, if nothing else, it's on video on YouTube, you know, they can look it up. The, They'll always remember, if nothing else, they will always remember a certain color analyst 
referring to what Dubuque played as all together kids gong show hockey. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yep. It was, uh, you know, I don't recall exactly what started it. That was Nick I remember, Yost. I remember in a matter of seconds, it all just went haywire. Obviously, I was already done playing at the time. I was doing color commentary with you for, for BCSN, which was a blast, by the way. Yeah. We had a great time doing that, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. You were good. That's I probably nice. screwed up. I should have. I should have took broadcast journalism at BG um, when I transferred there because um, they actually have a really good program. And unfortunately, I did not care for for the English subjects and the writing and all that. So that was my. No, I'm not doing this thing. But um, yeah, that was a that was a crazy scene. Um, and I hadn't seen that in quite some time. And I had seen it a few times in juniors when I was playing in the in the uh, Continental Elite League. It was that was kind of a I don't want to say it was a regular, but it was often enough that it was not a shock. Um, so when that happened, I hadn't seen that in a long time. It was that was a crazy scene. Yeah, and it was Nick Yost. I remember he he lit up a kid, and they didn't like it. It was as clean hit, yeah. as clean as could be. Yeah. Right between the shoulder blades, he you know he went for and let in with his shoulder, and they were yeah. they were hooting and hollering and all that stuff. So that when they finally settled things down and dropped the puck at the Dubuque blue line, I remember what was his name, Billy Worst or something. Yeah, I think it was Billy Worst. Skates down the ice towards Jr. Yeah. And, yeah, I remember it now. Yeah. And so he went to take Jr. out, and Jr. submarined him, and he the, yep. and he went flying into the goalpost, and uh, and then it was on. Oh yeah. <laughs> and the funniest thing to me was, uh, once they were uh, the kid was trying to get Jr. and Jr. was trying to shake off his blocker, and his uh, glove. Yep. He's trying to shake, and once he got those off. Oh my gosh. I could not believe it, man. That dude can, I mean, for a goal, he's a six foot, you know, what, six, five goalie. And that dude could fight. He had his, oh, yeah. he threw down and smoked one of their tough guys. And then yeah. the other one was uh Siple, Austin Siple. Sipes had yeah. two guys that he was holding off and was getting shots in on both. And that's another yeah. guy. His knuckles were all bone, and it's like if yep. if you if he hit you, he hurt. And again, yep. the nicest, most polite human beings I've ever met. So yep. well mannered and well spoken. So I mean, you would think the first thing when you when you meet Austin in terms of his personality, the first thing you think of is soft, because he's so polite and gentle, you know, as a yep. person. On yeah. the ice, not so much. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. that yeah. really he, caught me for a loop. Uh, yeah, he had to he had to he had to protect himself and answer the bell, and he 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 did a great job in doing it. He, he shocked me because I remember him growing up playing with my brother, and then obviously I got to play with him. So yeah, I mean, Austin would would 
didn't shy away from the physical parts of the game and he would, you know, body check when he had to, and he'd take a hit when he had to, but he definitely wasn't out there to, to, to fight by, by no means. No. But in some situations you get stuck or caught and, and you got to be able to do it or, or, or at least be able to protect yourself well enough. And yeah, he did a hell of a job. Yeah. I can't, I can't say, I can't say that I, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Okay. So we, we get through the whole, that, that whole thing. Um, when you played, you played, you finished with the Cherokee and then you went to the CEHL? No, I did the CEHL actually prior to Cherokee. So that would have been, oh, let's see. Oh, I'm going to say, oh, one, oh, two, oh, two, oh, three. Okay. I want to say, yep. Now, yeah. Where did you now? Did you play in uh, club in college? Yep, played at BG. Uh, oh, oh eight to oh nine. Okay, so now one one season. One season. Okay, so now yeah. where did I? I mean, because I was trying to think here. You know, you went from a guy who pretty much had given up on the game, not wanting to play anymore, to you know being the old man on a team to going and I what? mean, did you think you were done when you were done with Toledo or did you? Yeah, I did actually, because at the time, like I said, I, I was hoping for something D three wise and that, that didn't work out. Um, so when I, when the season was done, I had decided I was going to Bowling Green cause I had been going to Owens transferred to, to Bowling Green State University, went there and had no, at that time, it wasn't that I hated the game, but I just, I had no ambitions of, of playing club hockey. I, I didn't know anything about it and I wasn't going to spend time doing it because I was working full time and trying to get my degree. So I was just focused on that. Well, then uh, would have been 07, 08 was my brother's first year there as a freshman and he played and I could tell he was enjoying it. He enjoyed the guys. Um, I think I even went with him to obviously to a couple uh, parties that they had. Um, and, um, you know, it was, it was, a, it seemed like a good group of guys. It was fun. So then 08, 09, I was doing uh, a, an extra tour uh, senior year. And, um, when it came around, it just happened to work out. And I decided, I was like, you know what? I, I think I'd like to play one more time. And again, I got to play with my brother and there was some other local guys that were playing as well. Um, so I decided to go back out and, and, uh, you know, made the team and, uh, and that was fun. I really enjoyed that enough to the point where I ended up, uh, we got knocked out of the playoffs, but, um, I came back the next year and actually coached the team and uh, took the team to the national tournament, which was the first time in uh, club history, actually, that the team made the uh, national tournament. Wow. So, so that was pretty awesome. Now, uh, do you coach now or? Haven't done it, Mick, and I was coaching the same pretty much the same group of kids with the obvious 
interchange of a few here and there for three years. Uh, after I coached club for one year, which would have been nine ten. So from 2010 to 2013, I'm going to say, maybe 14, I coached a group of kids out at the ice house under the Cherokee uh, banner. I think I started when they were squirts and finished while they were peewees, maybe going into Bantams. Um, so I did it as an assistant coach. I enjoyed it. It was a great group of kids. Um, we had a lot of success. Um, and, um, I enjoyed it, but between, with all the, the time and the travel and so on and so forth between work and, um, my hobbies, as far as what I wanted to do during those times of the year, I just decided to give it up. And I was asked quite a few times to come back for different, actually various different jobs, whether it was at, uh, at the ice house for the gthl which was cherokee or or at tamo um and i even gotten and had inquiries for high school but i just never i never had the commitment level that was needed to go back to it and i didn't want to do it half ass if that makes sense because yeah, no, it's it just not fair to the kids you know nope. no matter what age they are it's not fair to to do it and then not be fully committed to it 100 percent. so i just never went back to doing it do you see yourself maybe someday when you're older? Potentially. I have a – Bruce got uh, a little boy, my nephew, my godson. He's going to be one. So maybe maybe when his day comes, if he's going to decide to lace up skates, maybe that might be my return to, to coaching. So we'll see. Hey. And maybe not. I might just enjoy – sitting in the stands or standing in the corner and just, you know, watching them go. And, you you know, know, and I was going to say, maybe Rue will go behind the bench and then you can look at him and go, paybacks. Yep, 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 exactly. Paybacks, buddy. Oh, man. That's well, right. Before we wind her up here, uh, first off, I didn't ask you at the beginning of this. I do this with every podcast, every player. The num- I try to remember the number you wore when you played. Mm. Okay. I'm going to guess here because I know one of you wore 20 and I think the other one wore 22. And I want to say you, I think maybe it might've been in your first year. Didn't you wear seven? No, never worn seven. Okay. So I'm going to guess then you were wearing 22. Rue wore 22. Then you wore 20. 12. 12. Close enough. Yeah. We'll call it even. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> oh gosh. I'm terrible at this, but cause I well, don't, I don't, here was the thing. So when I came in, right, you pretty much, and the team's there and, and either guys were hurt or we might've lost a couple guys for whatever the reasons were. So there wasn't a whole lot of options. So it was like, here's your numbers to pick from. And I'll be honest. I don't recall why I picked, 12 but i i know there couldn't have been a whole lot of options if i picked it so that's what i went with so that's what i wore well you know and the thing is for me is like what i do this all from memory i don't go trying to cheat and look up your stuff and your stats and you didn't go into the program nope nope (laughs) i don't i don't do that i don't do the uh 
I don't do the stuff online. I, I try to do this from memory. And uh, yeah, I don't. That's pretty good. If you can do, if you can get most of them right, that's pretty good. I don't. <laughs> I usually am <laughs> off by a couple of digits, but I mean, like certain teams, like uh, the national championship team, I'm usually pretty good at. The older teams, yeah. I'm usually pretty yeah, good sure. at. But uh, you know, it's but but then in the middle there, they all kind of bl- blend and blur together with you know what year you yeah. played, what coach you played yep. for, et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah. Now let me ask here as we wind this up. Um, who would you say was the most impactful person for you on the ice, whether it be a coach, uh, it could be a teammate, it could be whoever. But in terms of contributing to your game, to helping you with your outlook, uh, with the way that you played the game. Oh, I, I would say if it had to be, contribution to the game it's my brother because there's no way I, I said this in his in my in my best man speech at his wedding there's no way I would have scored the amount of points that I did without my brother because he played both ends of the rink he was great on the wall he was great in the corner and he saw the ice and he skated so well and so fast it allowed me as I got older, I really, and I wish I'd have learned it younger. I really learned how to read the game. And, um, that was, I mean, I, I, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have scored the amount of points I had. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he was a pass first guy and I like to shoot. And, um, so that just happened to work out. Okay. Well, I always end, uh, the podcast with two questions and you sort of answered the one, but I'm going to ask it again anyway. And that is, let's see here. Okay. The question I have for you is what advice would you give the, 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 uh, Toby Hafner of today, what advice would you give to that young man that played, whether it be the first time around with the Cherokee time in Michigan or the time with Toledo, the second time, what advice would you give to that young version of Toby Hafner? Let's see. How do I put this? Uh, I needed, I was not mature enough at that age to make wise decisions. And I was very temperamental and if I could go back, I wish I could have controlled my decision-making and my responses to certain situations and things and would have just worked harder at being a better player and a more well-rounded player. Um, I mean, those, those are, I mean, that's, if I went back and could see myself then and have a conversation, that's that's the conversation I would have with that individual is that it's not easy and there's a lot of obstacles and hurdles that you got to go through or over or around and you got to work hard to get there and you're going to stumble and fall and not everything's going to be the way you want it and you can't let it frustrate you and you can't quit. And that's, 
that's what I would go back and tell that individual at probably 15 years old. Fair enough. Now, the other thing I, I always ask, or it isn't so much ask, but I give you the floor to do, and that is, what would you like to say to Cherokee Nation? Because it's fans, it's alumni, it's alumni coaches, uh, current coaches, current players. Uh, it's a wide gamut of people that like to listen to this thing for whatever reason. I'm grateful for it. So, uh, But uh, a lot of uh, folks like to listen to this thing, and it's uh, I always like to turn you guys loose to whatever it is you would like to say to the Toledo Cherokee uh, family. Well, I'd, I'd probably like to start by uh, thanking everyone that listens um, and everyone that's either still involved or follows or roots for the program. Um, it's a great program that's been around, obviously, for quite a long time, has had a lot of success, um, has had a lot of successful individuals, whether it's coaches um, or players um, or other individuals uh, involved with the team. Um, so it's a, it's a great uh, team organization to root for in the city of Toledo. There's a lot of young men involved that are, are uh, out there playing hard, um, trying to win, um, and trying to keep that success of the organization in, in moving forward and in the right direction. Um, I enjoyed playing for the team. Um, disappointed we came up just shy of a national championship because that was really heartbreaking. Um, cause we were, I don't know if you could call us a Cinderella team, but I would based on where we finished in the regular season and what we did to make it to the tournament and where we ended up. Um, so that was disappointing, but it was a hell of a team. And I don't know, Mick, you can correct me, but I don't know if they've had a team get that close since our 06 team to a national title. Well, um, this last team, this last year's team uh, was close. They, uh, they okay. went to the national tournament, but they came within one game of making it to the semifinal goal differential wow. was the, was what uh, brought them down. Decider. Yep. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a long, that's a long tenure, 15 years. Yep. You know, and if I remember correctly, in that 05-06 game, we it was an all CSHL final. We lost to St. Louis. Yes. So yes. you know we I, beat them. We beat them in the was it the Robertson Cup for the for no, the league? It was the Herster no. Cup. Herster Cup. Okay, so excuse me, the, the Herster Cup for the league finals in the playoffs, we beat them in the round robin portion in St. Louis game one mm -hmm. and the place was in awe because everybody could not believe that we had just swept Metro who had swept us all season. Then we come in and we beat St. Louis game one and everybody's like, what is going on with this team and why are they beating everybody all of a sudden? And then I think we tied Cleveland pumped Motor City, I think, pretty good. And then we played St. Louis again, and I think we lost by one in the Herster Cup finals, unfortunately. And then, lo and behold, we ended up meeting them in the national finals and lost by one. one. Yeah, I think it was like 5-4 was the final. 
Five four. Yeah, or four I'll never teams. forget the goal either because it was ugly. Okay, it is what it is, you know. But you know the thing is, yep. I was never more proud of a team than I was that team because, again, not not at all expected to be there. Had no business. Nope. On they they were saying no business being there, no you know no chance. And when it came down to that final game that Monday night, guess who was there? It was us, you know, yep. and, and I, I was so proud of that team. And the other thing I remember, too, was uh, um, I remember we were that was in Philadelphia, right? That final. Correct. Yeah. Yep. And, yep. and we stayed we stayed in, in a hotel in, in uh, Delaware. In Delaware, just outside of Philly. That wasn't a far drive. Forty minutes, maybe at the most or yep. something. And I, I'll yep. never forget the. uh Minnesota, I think it was like the Minnesota Nighthawks or something like that. Icehawks were in our yep. hotel. Okay. And I remember Tommy McDermott was their coach. They stopped, they stopped at the ice house on their way out to Philadelphia. It was like midnight to practice. To practice. And yep. we were, we were just getting on the bus to head to Philadelphia and yep. they had just pulled into the ice house practice. And yep. so like, well, well, see you out there, blah, 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 blah. And then they did the uh, – and Tommy and I became good friends after that because he went on to coach in uh, Quad Cities, uh, Davenport, yeah. you know, in the league. And so we became good friends after that. Anyway, but at the time, he was just another coach, you know. I didn't know him well. And all his team was like, you know, 18, 19, and 20-year-olds. They're all older yeah. guys. And they all, yeah, they, were. they all loved to uh, bleach their hair for, you know, yep. and I remember they were supposed, they were like one of the considered, not the favorite, but one of the favorites that could win it all. And yep. when they got their socks handed to them, they were so mad. They destroyed, I think, a couple of mirrors, big mirrors in the main uh, hotel rooms. Uh, they and uh, on the main floor, and they I think they did something like ten grand in damage. And wow. Yeah, and they ended up. Uh, I I don't know what happened. They ended up. I know they ended up probably like we did the year before. Ended up in the uh, in the USA Hockey and before USA Hockey, trying to explain our our actions. You know. Yeah. Because the year before we were in uh, Minnesota, and we. They started a uh, we started a fight, and we because it was a really it was a really bad game. It was horribly officiated, and it was so yeah. frustrating that our goalie got into a fight with their goalie, this other team's goalie, and they stopped the game. The president of USA Hockey is standing out on the ice, ordering everyone off the ice. And, oh my God! And and they had we our, our ownership and coach had to go before USA Hockey in a board meeting, special emergency session, the next day. I drove. I didn't ride the bus. I drove, thank God, because they were stuck waiting there for hours before they could uh, leave. <laughs> and so I remember this because I don't know if you remember when after we lost the game to St. Louis in the championship, the, the, the president of USA Hockey, still the same guy, comes out yeah. on the ice and is talking about us, and he says, last year, it, uh, he said the the honor went out of what of the game. He said, 
tonight, you guys got it back and restored it. And the place went nuts and, you know, the usual yeah. and stuff. But uh, that's what I remember about that. And, you know, it was like they gave us the banner. We're all like, okay, take the bloody picture and let's get the heck out of here. Yeah. yeah I was like, nobody cared. But, you know, I, I'm still very yeah. proud of that team because they. Like, oh, it was a, it was a great team. It was a great run. And just like I said, it was disappointing that we, we came up, we came up just shy. I mean, like you said, we. I think if I remember right, we were we finished fifth, I think, mm-hmm. fifth or sixth in the regular season standings. We had to play Metro in the first round of the playoffs, who had swept us all year. We could not figure them out or beat them in the regular season, and we swept them. Or actually, take it back. I think we finished fourth, and they were behind us because we played them at home and swept them. Yeah. But we could not beat them as a fifth place team all year round, we could not win no matter what against them. So we sweep them, went to the Herster cup, did good, fell short to St. Louis, but whatever we, we get our, we get our bid. We go to the tourney and we, I can't remember, man, I can't remember the first team we played in the tournament might've been out of Connecticut Maybe New York. I can't remember, but I know we were losing at some point midway through the game, and we scored. I think we scored three goals fairly quick in the second. Turned that game around real quick. One. Then we had a barn burner the next game, and I think we won three to two or two to one. It was close. Then we played not the minnesota team you were talking about the the hawk team in the semifinals but a different minnesota team wasn't it the minnesota northern lights northern lights that's right yep we played them and i think we beat them late in the game on a shorthanded goal or something to win that game and they were a favorite too so we beat them then we ended up playing minnesota in the semis like you said and they were a favorite we had no shot to win we beat them in double overtime and then you know, gave St. Louis a run for the money, but just came up shy. Yeah, you know, uh, and again, that like I said, I was just, just the fact that we were there, it, to me, was still, you know, uh, icing on the cake. It was just yeah. icing on the cake for me. I equivalent the that double overtime game, to me, was kind of the equivalent of when we beat Fairbanks, Alaska when we the year we won the national title we were in Simi Valley California and we're in overtime and we were shorthanded we scored a shorty and uh, wow and uh to win it uh we it was actually Derek Stum but uh he uh Stummer Stummer got the winner in overtime for that and you know it just like I said uh, when we beat Minnesota in double overtime when you guys did that that I mean two of the probably the most exciting games I ever called. I mean, it's a yeah. thrill to call a national cha- championship game. Don't get me wrong. But we won, I think, by two. So, you know, it was like, I'm not saying there wasn't no edge or excitement there. There was and the giddiness of winning. But in terms yeah. of uh, excitement bordering panic, you know, it, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't get any better than, than winning. They're great games to play, man. A lot of fun, a lot of excitement. And I can tell you, everybody in that room 
had a lot of confidence. There was no guy in there that was thinking, well, we might lose and this might be the, you know, we were, we were confident. We knew we could win if we did the little things right. And, you know, we stuck to game plans and adjusted and when we needed to. And there was a lot of confidence in that room. That was, like I said, it was, it was disappointing because you lose. But I think that team, we really felt like by a certain point after the Herster Cup, we felt like we could do it. I mean, there was a lot of confidence in that locker room. And, and, and well, there should be because that team, you know, they had a lot of heart. And that's to me that that really carried you guys a long way. So, yes, it did. Awesome. Yes, it stuff. Did. Well, I tell, yeah. I tell you what, Tobe, I, I, I could sit here and talk another hour and a half, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I probably could too. You know, I understand that. It didn't seem like more than 10 minutes, but, yeah. you know, that's, no, that's we used to do the same thing in the broadcast booth. This is true. Together. We're, we're yeah. going to have to drag you out here again sometime and, uh, have you uh, do some uh, do some other work with us? Because I I mean, uh, I mean hockey I know is what we did and we clicked at, but that was more than just hockey. That was just you and me having fun, you know. And oh, I think yeah. I think we great. could do that with other sports, whether it be basketball or, or or football or something. I'm sure we could probably knock something out and have fun. Probably. I, I think you're right. Well, I will tell you what, I appreciate this so much. Uh, Give my best to your family, and uh, I will. And uh, you know, we'll. Uh, uh, the the goal I'm trying to do here is whenever we get back to whatever normal supposed, to be, uh, I'm going to uh, put together just a reunion. And if a alumni game comes out of it, hey, great. You know, that's what we'll do. But I also yeah. but the main focal point for me is probably on a weekend when we have like reverse raffle fundraiser or something we'll have uh one they'll have a game probably that weekend uh uh-huh. and i want a bunch of us all of us different years whatever to come together and go to a game and just yeah that would be great throw down a couple diet seven ups and uh and just laugh ourselves silly you know talking yeah. about telling tall tales and and just laughing ourselves like and, and people looking at us in the stands going what the heck's going on over there you know, oh, yeah. and, and go, oh, yo, now I know what it is. You know, I see Mick, I see Hafner. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, yeah. but uh, that's the goal <laughs> is to have a reunion and get a bunch of guys come in and just like I say, just uh, get a couple of pops and just go nuts. Have fun. So that would be great. I would love it. Count it in. Well, I appreciate you doing this, Tobe. And again, thanks again. Oh, thank you for reaching out. It's great to great to hear from you again. And uh, super happy to do this. Amen to that. You as well, brother. Uh, That's going to do it here. Episode 96 of Cherokee Rewind. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. As he is Toby Hafner, I am mixing. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Cherokee Rewind.